What we do in life echoes in eternity. You will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live. From the WSFI studio in Libertyville, Illinois, this is Pro-Life Today with your host, Joe Scheidler. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pro-Life Today on WSFI, that's 88.5 FM, Catholic Radio. I'm your host, Joe Scheimer, and today my guest is actually me, because the hostess is going to be my wife, Ann Scheidler, and we're going to talk about a new book that's uh, going around the country. It's called Racketeer for Life. It's a book that I wrote about the 44 years of activism uh, in the pro-life movement. And so welcome, Anne, as the hostess. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate this role reversal today. And uh, I get a ch- chance to uh, interview you about what's in Racketeer for Life. I, of course, lived most of what's in Racketeer for Life. Um, but there's also some background in, in the days before I was part of your life. So we'll talk about that a little bit, too. Um, but first, I'd like to talk about the title of the book. This book is called Racketeer for Life, Fighting the Culture of Death from the Sidewalk to the Supreme Court. Um, we, we lived the whole racketeer thing for many, many years, so uh, we're very familiar with what that title means. But uh, for anybody who, who isn't familiar with the racketeer uh, trial, etc., Fill in our listeners as to what that title means. Well, from the sidewalk to the Supreme Court, that's just sort of the sequence. Uh, I started out on the sidewalk. As soon as I read Roe v. Wade, Doe v. Bolton, and saw what atrocities they were, those two twin decisions by the, in the Supreme Court, I knew that our country was in big trouble because every baby, every child, from conception until birth was now removed from protection of the government. There was no protection. That child was as good as nothing. And a woman, for any reason at all, if you read Dovey Bolton, you see that for any reason, because she just has to say, uh, I, I, I would uh, be upset, I wouldn't be happy with this baby, uh, I don't want to be pregnant, I'm not ready to be pregnant. She could have an abortion. Well, she needed no, no reason at all. Uh, so... That that just struck me so hard, and at the time, you were pregnant. Yeah, this was very personal for us, because I was four and a half months pregnant when Roe v. Wade came out, and we were dumbfounded that our government wouldn't give any any value to this unborn child I was carrying. No, and uh, it was it, I was working at the time as an account executive for a public relations firm, and I got so... Uh, engrossed in the whole abortion question, I started reading everything I could find. I went over to the Illinois Right to Life Committee offices and took out all the pamphlets and and, uh, material that they had. And so my boss called me in one day and said, Joe, I think you've lost interest in your clients. Uh, You're totally absorbed in this whole abortion thing. And have you considered the possibility of going full-time fighting abortion? And I said, Paul, I can't. How would I make a living? And he said, well, you've had experience in uh, public relations and all. 
uh, you'll be able to make it. And he was almost firing me, but at the same time, <laughs> he, wa- he was uh, understood my engrossment in the abortion issue. And so I remember I came home and, and uh, said, I'm going to go. I don't know if I, if I, if I was uh, certain right, right at the time, because I did stay. They let me stay on and paid me half salary. And ke- I was able to keep my insurance, remember, because they had very good uh, they had Good insurance, right. So anyway, I uh, uh, set up a little office actually in our house and started going to find out where the abortion clinics were and then finding other people that were interested in activism because I thought you had to do more than just study abortion and feel bad about it and try to do uh, work uh, to get laws passed and all that. Well, of course, we thought, too, that the American people uh, would reject abortion if they just understood that the unborn baby is a, is a human being. So we thought this is the key, publicize the reality of w- who this unborn baby is, and Americans would rise up in indignation about abortion. So we started the Chicago office for pro-life publicity, intending to run ads in the papers, just describing what a, uh, an unborn baby's you know, the heart beating at uh, 21 days and the brain waves at 42 days and that the baby has uh, fingernails and fingerprints at nine weeks, all these little facts that we figured um, would convince people. You can get the that, heartbeat, right. That they had to protect human life. Well, you know, it's interesting that you really got me interested in abortion when in the, in the fall of 72, 1972, before Roe v. Wade, Dovey Bolton came down. We didn't even know there were these cases before the Supreme Court, but they were having a rally in Chicago in October right. 1972, and you'd promised somebody that you would come to the rally. And so it was a beautiful Saturday afternoon, and I was going to stay home, watch the Notre Dame game, and you said we had to go to this rally. So we packed our three boys in the car, and we drove down. And as we were approaching the rally, which I think was in the Civic Center. What, the, what they now call Daly Plaza. Daly Plaza, <laughs> right. Uh, and I think one of the speakers was Henry Hyde. Anyway, they, they handed me a life and death, which was printed uh, by uh, Jack Wilkie. Dr. Jack Wilkie uh, had this out. And it had pictures of the baby in the womb and then the baby aborted at the same time, first, second, and third mm-hmm. trimester. And the, the picture on the cover was so graphic that they handed it with the back of the pamphlet showing. But it had a picture, too, which were babies in a black plastic bag from abortions in a hospital in Canada. Remember that? And, I do. And that's the first thing I saw. And one of the babies in the corner of that black plastic bag looked like Eric like Eric's baby picture, and that personalized it for me. These were bodies of, of babies well well into development. Yeah, they were late-term abortions. Late-term abortions in Canada, and uh, it just shocked me. Yeah, so, so you started looking into abortion and researching, et cetera, prior to Roe v. Wade, not even knowing that those two cases were working their ways through the court system and we we in no way were expecting that January 22nd, 1973 would change our lives forever. No, we didn't. I and the lives of so many, uh, you know, the unborn, number one, who are now so vulnerable. Yeah. It was, uh, 
it was a shock to me when when the decisions came down. I was I was working as I say it as an account executive, but I was sick the day that it came out, so I didn't find out. Uh, and there were a lot of other things happening. The Vietnam War. Uh, I think uh, President Johnson died. He died right that day. That yeah. Day. And so so the the news actually the Roe v. Wade thing was in back in the middle of the paper somewhere, and when I read it, I couldn't believe it. Remember that? I, it mm-hmm. just—it was just such a shock. I went to work, and and that's when my boss saw that I was <laughs> totally had lost interest. Had lost interest in selling my light paneling and Shakespeare uh, fishing. Which tackle. ultimately was a good thing because the pro-life leadership is clearly where you belonged. Um, so let, let's focus on that racketeer title uh, yet again and see <laughs> why. Why do you call yourself a racketeer? Well, because I was charged with racketeering. Uh, the National Organization for Women first charged me with violating the Sherman Clayton antitrust laws, and we went a year or two in court on that, and they got nowhere with that, and uh, it was thrown out. So they, instead of giving up, they then decided to try racketeering influence corrupt organization laws against me, and we didn't think they could use that. So we went uh, to court to say they couldn't use it, and we had to go all the way up to the Supreme Court. And in fact, the court decided unanimously they could use the racketeering statute that we had to uh, go So to that trial. sent it back to trial, and years and years worth of uh, making its way through the court system yet again. But, but at the district court level, um, the trial was 1998 and uh, lasted for seven weeks, and the end result was you became a racketeer. Right. I was found guilty of racketeering, and so then we had to start fighting that. Right. I went back to the court, all the way back up to the court again. Actually, it's the only case, I think, on record in the history of the country that has been to the Supreme Court three times. Uh, yeah, a so. number of cases have gone twice, but uh, three times to the Supreme Court, because, uh, but the trial, you know, the trial wasn't 12 years after the original. Cause yeah, I, things take a long time in the in the uh, court system, so. I was uh, given I was given my notice in 1986, and the trial wasn't what. 1998. 1998. And the final Supreme Court ruling was in uh, 2006. So it's uh, <laughs> a long, spans a very long time. And then we um, finally got a little settlement in uh, 2015, I believe it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So most of my so. life. <laughs> <laughs> but so even though the Supreme Court uh, reversed the decision and, and kind of wiped out the title of racketeer, um, you've kind of latched onto that as uh, a, a symbol sort of 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 what your pro-life activism has been. Uh, for one thing, it gets attention. Uh, but uh, Yeah, I've kind of accepted the racketeer title. Yeah. And, and so how much money did you make as an extortionist, Mr. Racketeer? Well, I spent a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I made anything. So for, for a guy who's supposed to make a whole lot of money and pay triple damages... When he's found so guilty. you might have been a racketeer, but not really a very good racketeer. <laughs> oh, a not terrible, a very successful racketeer. A terrible racketeer. <laughs> for, yeah, speaking of the, the income was was uh, very small. 
So that that's true. <laughs> so, um, so you've spent 44 years now in the pro-life movement, fighting the uh, culture of death, fighting the abortion lobby and the feminist, uh, radical feminist pro-abortion agenda. Um, this is uh, 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 one of the longest reigning. Uh, pro-life leaders in the country, I think, at this point, isn't it? I think so, yeah, because uh, I'll be, well, I hate to tell people my age, but in September... Oh, you're proud of it. Go ahead. <laughs> in September, I'll hit 90, so I'm on about halfway uh, through the year, and uh, anyway, we have to take it's, a it's, short break here, and so I'm on pro-life today. I'm Joe Scheidler. And Ann Scheidler. Ann Scheidler is... Uh, questioning me on racketeer what it means and uh, so we'll be right back to continue our conversation on wsfi that's 88.5 fm catholic radio so stay tuned there's more to come I'm Bill Wennington from the Church of St. Mary's and the Chicago Bulls. I, I believe Catholic Radio is important for all of us out there listening to help us through days when maybe our faith is being challenged by many different obstacles that are put in our way. And it's a chance to reflect and just think and hear stories from other people that maybe are going through the exact same issues that we are going through and how they have struggled and how they are getting through their problems today. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. This is Joe Scheidler in Chicago. Want to learn some Latin? Well, here are three simple words that say it all. Ora et labora. That's the motto of the Benedictines, and that means pray and work. Pray for the 4,000 babies who will be cruelly killed in legal abortions today in American cities alone. But also work to end abortion. Pray and work. How do you work? Well, come out to an abortion clinic near you. Pray there, but also talk to the women going in. Offer them help. If you want to know how, give us a call. We're the Pro-Life Action League in Chicago. Call us at 773-777-2900. That's 773-777-2900. <laughs> Hi, I'm Joe Scheidler. This is Pro-Life Today on WSFI. That's 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. We're going to continue our interview, and actually, I'm I'm the guest today, right? 
My uh, the hostess is my wife Ann Scheidler, and we're talking about Racketeer for Life, a book that uh, I've just written, and which is making the rounds. And Ann, take it away. I will do that. Uh, just so our listeners know, if they're interested in reading Racketeer for Life, it's available on Amazon.com and in a lot of uh, Christian bookstores. And also at the Pro-Life Action League office, if you want an autographed copy, you contact us at prolifeaction.org or call our office at 773-777-2900. That's 773-777-2900, and Joe can autograph the book for you. Uh, I'm going to take a a little uh, walk down memory lane here with your background. Um, Before you got involved in pro-life work, you had uh, a, f- a few different uh, careers. But let's go back to your college days. Uh, you're a proud graduate of Notre Dame University in the days when Notre Dame was the premier Catholic university in America, perhaps in the world. Uh, what did you study at Notre Dame? Well, actually, I got into uh, what we called communication arts. It was journalism, but it was a, a very thorough course in uh, history, in uh, architecture, in science. It was, it was an amazing course. In fact, it only lasted a few years because it was too hard on the professors. I mean, uh, you were writing constantly. You had, had a paper due, I think, in every class every day, and then those papers were graded and handed back with corrections, and, and you might be working on five or six papers for a single class. And uh, the professors, Tom Stritch was the head of the department, and Ed Fisher and Jim Withy and some, uh, there are only about five professors in that. Uh, but top of the line yeah. uh, teachers in, in uh, writing and right. literature and communication. Right. Ed Fisher alone did 16 books, and I don't know how many times. Oh, well, you've got a few more to go then. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm reading through them. They're great, too. But uh, then I actually uh, joined the faculty there later at, in uh, communication arts while well, they were still. But before you went back to Notre Dame, you spent uh, several years training for the priesthood. Altogether eight years. Yeah, I went to, I had to do a, a refresher course and take for philosophy, Gregorian chant, Greek, Latin, so on. And then I went into the major seminary in second philosophy and went all the way uh, through uh, first theology, and then I joined the monastery at St. Minor. I was uh, Frater Gregory, and I was there, finished my uh, full course in theology, and was ready for solemn vows and ordination to the priesthood when I went back to the diocese. But God had other plans for you, didn't he? It seems mm-hmm. like it, because I did spend another year working in a parish, uh, preparing for ordination, I was actually at the, uh, in Lafayette, Indiana, at the uh, Newman Center there, uh, working with my cousin, Leo Pick, Father Leo Pickett. At Purdue University. Right, and a classmate, Father Leo Hagerty. And uh, then it just uh, became clear to me that I, that was not my calling. And so I went, that's when I went back to Notre Dame and, and taught there for a few, a few years. And of course, you never would have thought, well, my calling is not to the priesthood. It must be to Pro-life activist leadership. <laughs> I didn't know what pro-life activist leadership would even mean. No, there was no pro-life movement even Not really. yet at that point. It was, uh, you know, abortion had been illegal from time immemorial, and uh, 
uh, attempts to liberalize it had gone no place for the most part. So that wouldn't have been something you aspired to no. back in those days. So you went back and taught at Notre Dame for a few years. And uh, what uh, led you to leave there? Well, I needed further uh and, you know, courses. I I needed to get at least a master's degree, and so I found a course in um, at Marquette in Milwaukee, and I I went up there and took a crash course in in uh, teaching uh, public speaking, and that because that was one of my courses at Notre Dame, and got my master's degree. Then when I went back to Notre Dame to take my position back, they had uh, brought in a substitute who they liked real well. And I thought, well, let's let the substitute just substitute permanently. And I, I was sort of tired of South Bend. And I would, every time I would go through Chicago, I would stop. And that was my city. So I decided to look for a job in Chicago. And I had been in enough of men's situations with the Navy and Notre Dame and the monastery and the seminary. <laughs> so I de- decided to teach in a girls' school, a woman's school. And uh, I was hired by Mundelein College. And that Where I was a student. <laughs> you were a student. How fortuitous. And you were <laughs> the social chairman or something, because I saw you all the time going through the tea room. Yes. The, the, the uh, dining room. And uh, you asked me one time where I was from, and I said, uh, around Fort Wayne. And you said, oh, Texas. Oh, you're going <laughs> to reveal my <laughs> geographical <laughs> ignorance. <laughs> Fort Wayne, Texas. I thought you meant Fort Worth. But uh, anyway, we, we got to know each other, and uh, I, you were in a, play, uh, a, a musical. Yes, we had a variety show every year in uh, in the springtime at Mundelein, and I was in, in a chorus line in the variety show. And I would uh, come down and watch the rehearsals, and at one point you said, hey, you, you were with yes, all part the of the part of the routine <laughs> was to point to the audience and call, hey, you. And you pointed uh, right at me. I guess I did. Because I was the only one in the audience. At uh, the well, time. that would help, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I took that as a sign that I should get to know you, so... Uh, one date led to another. I, I, I was pretending, well, actually, I was looking for a car, sports car. And I thought you knew about sports cars. And of course. So we would go to the parking lot, and you'd be able to get me into a sports car sitting out on the lot. And I had to see if I could fit into it because I kind of told For our listeners, you might want to know Joe was six foot four, so fitting <laughs> into a little sports car was uh, <laughs> kind of a. So Tight I'd, squeeze. You'd get the door open <laughs> somehow. I don't know how you always did that. And then I would sit in it, and if my head touched the, the roof, then it was that too was small. not for me. Yeah. Right. So what did I find? A little Fiat. Well, I finally bought a little Fiat, which we had great fun with. But then we sold that car. We got married in 1965 right. and for some reason thought we had to get a practical car and sold that car, which we've regretted for uh, like, like 50 years, I think I now. I still regret uh, it. <laughs> Yeah, I love but we've family. had lots of practical cars that fit car seats when we had kids and car seats for grandparents. And so practical cars have their purposes as right. well. Um, yeah, we've had very practical cars since then. Yeah. But the little oh, also, vans are wonderful for carrying picket signs in when you have to go out and protest Planned Parenthood or your local abortion clinic. Um, so... You know, the sports car probably wouldn't have worked for that ultimately. It'd be so. nice though to have it. It'd be fun, there. but but uh, we so named it Amy. Remember? We did. We named the car. <laughs> yeah, isn't that a weird thing to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't named any of the practical cars. No. But that's uh, <laughs> beside the point. Um, 
some of the people you've met over the years of, uh, of pro-life work have been um, major players, bo- both on the national scene and the, the Catholic world. Uh, everybody you meet in the pro-life movement is a saint. They're all uh, just cream of the crop people, and, and it's been a, a blessing we didn't realize would come our way to, to have known all the people that we've known in the pro-life movement. Well, I knew but Mother Teresa. We met well. Mother. We oh, tell this. Tell the story of the of the Mother Teresa uh, at, at the National Right to Life Convention. Oh yeah. Well, Mother Teresa. I was trying to sell a book I just written called "Closed." Joe's first book. Ninety nine yeah. ways to stop abortion, and I had a big box of them, and I didn't. Uh, get a booth to sell them. I just thought I could uh, horn in on Well, I don't think else. they'd give you a booth. No, I don't think they would. <laughs> but I was trying to get somebody to, to sell, you know, let me sit at the end of their table and sell them. And I, I couldn't find anybody, so I had this full box of books. So I thought, oh, Mother Teresa's talking upstairs. So I went upstairs, and I came in the, the wrong door. I came right at the door where she was standing, and uh, people couldn't see her. She was so short, you know, they could just see the top of her habit. Uh, behind the podium, you yeah, couldn't hardly see her. So I just uh, walked right up to her, and I said, Here, Mother, stand on this. And I put my box of books right behind the podium, and she stood up on it, and everybody could see her. And they started applauding, and it, it made a big hit. So, so then uh, later on, I did sell the books, and now people who bought those books have a secondhand relic because she's saint. Mother because Teresa. now she's Saint Mother Teresa yeah. of Calcutta. So you never yes. know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I wish we had at least one of them. We have a few copies of that book, but we I, don't know whether they were in that box or they no, weren't in that box. No. <laughs> then I met Mother Angelica. Was on uh, when she still just had was just beginning. She was in a big warehouse. Oh, I think she had you on to interview you about that book, Closed: Ninety Nine Ways to Stop Abortion. Right, and we became kind of buddies. She was a yeah. great gal. She was a feisty yeah. nun, that's for sure. Uh, I met uh, Ronald Reagan, had uh, had a meeting with him in the White House with other pro-life leaders, but I sat right across from him with my own jar of jelly beans. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Remember that? And uh, well, he was dynamic and very pro-life, and we gave him 12 things we wanted him to do, cut out abortions in D.C. and so on, and he accepted uh, our requests very graciously. He actually wrote a book. Uh, about abortion. Uh, abortion in the Conscience of the Nation, right. I think that was called. Right. And right. then... Um, now, you met Saint Pope John Paul II. Look at that. You've met two saints in your lifetime. Yeah, probably more than That's that. remarkable. One of these days. Probably more than that one of these days, yes. Yeah, um, John Paul II. We had a nice meeting with him, and uh, he said, uh, asked me where I was from. I said, Chicago. And he said... Oh, Chicago, a very pro-life city. And I thought that was interesting. That, 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 that yeah, was that was interesting. interesting. Because it wasn't just a pro-life meeting we were having. We were t- discussing the whole situation of the church and the problems it was having. But uh, he, was, he was very gracious. And then uh, when he came to Chicago, then he did uh, visit... Number of churches. We went down to see him. But at that time, we sang for. We his. sang. Joe and I were in the choir we for in. his mass in Grant Park, which was a standout, fabulous event in uh, 1979. Over a there. He'd only been the pope for less than a year, I think. That's right. At that point, 
we were right next to yeah, him. What an honor that was. That was it was great too. And you had to uh, be a, there were only so many voices from the whole diocese, and so I had to go out. I'm a baritone, but I signed up as a tenor. Yeah. Because they needed you identified me. as a tenor. <laughs> so, just so I could get into the choir. But that was good because you had the melody. I think I'll stay as a tenor. Cause yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you were in the choir, so that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, over the years, we've met an awful lot of people, but we got to go for a little break here. Uh, we're at the end of the show. <laughs> is this the end of the show? Well, that's uh, all the time we have, I guess. That today. went fast, didn't it? So thanks to my guest, Ann Scheidler. To my us. guest, Joe Scheidler. And so uh, join us again until then from all of us at WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. I'm Joe Scheidler. Thanks for listening. This is Ann Scheidler. My husband Joe has just written his memoir of 44 years as a pro-life activist called Racketeer for Life, Fighting the Culture of Death from the Sidewalk to the Supreme Court. If you'd like to read what it's like to protest in front of an abortion clinic or to sit in a federal court accused of racketeering, get Joe's book. Go to ProLifeAction.org to order your copy. And he'll autograph it for you. That's ProLifeAction.org. <laughs>